Welcome to the New Grad Physio podcast, hosted by Andy Barker, consultant sports physiotherapist, private practice owner, and the founder of the New Grad Physio. Having experienced his own rapid rise from student to dream job as the head of physiotherapy and rehab at the Leeds Rhinos, just 15 months after graduating, Andy knows exactly what it takes to accelerate your skills and fly up the promotion ladder faster than you ever thought possible. Having previously been with the Leeds Rhinos for 10 seasons, Andy now consults with a number of individual elite athletes within professional rugby, international football and professional dance, alongside running his own successful private practice. Andy built the new grad physio to help new grad physios, sports therapists and sport rehabilitators just like you accelerate their own learning and learn the skill sets you need to become a competent, confident and competitive new grad physio. As a new grad, there are specific challenges you will face during those first few years and this podcast will deliver you actionable advice you can use to overcome these challenges and start your own successful new grad journey. Enjoy the show! Hey, it's Andy Bark here and welcome to episode number 62 of the New Graph Physio podcast. So in this special episode, special is the probably most important word because I'm going to talk all about the shoulders special and not so special test. So if there's one thing that I see the most, probably the biggest mistake that I see with new grads is doing too many tests, particularly at the shoulder. But probably worse than this, therapists relying so much on their special testing to make a diagnosis. So you might be thinking, why is this such a big problem? Surely special testing is important, and it is. But because most of the special tests at the shoulder are very poor, no, they lack sensitivity, they lack specificity, it makes the job uh, diagnosing a shoulder pathology, regardless of what that is, much more difficult. It, it means that gaining that correct diagnosis is more challenging and is the reason why the shoulder is one of those areas in the body that so many new grads struggle with. It's, if there's one topic that therapists, both students and new grads, ask questions about the most when they get in contact, when they first come into sort of my membership, when I ask them the, the areas or the joints they struggle with the most, the shoulder's always up there. It's in pretty much every new grad's top three, and for a lot of therapists, it's their sort of number one. The big problem is if you're relying so much on your special testing during your assessments, this includes both the shoulder and any other injury, it makes finding a clear diagnosis much more difficult. If you're undervaluing the rest of your assessment, again, it makes your diagnosis and then knowing what to do next in terms of your treatments and rehab much more difficult and is the number one reason why so many therapists struggle with the shoulder and you know not only finding a diagnosis, but then knowing where to start with their sort of treatments in rehab. So in this podcast, I'm going to go through some of the talk about special testing, how you should use special testing as part of your shoulder assessments, the test to avoid, and you know the, the aim really being by the end of this episode, you have a much better understanding and you know how to implement your testing so you no longer have to rely so much on special testing to make that clinical diagnosis. So that said, we'll get straight into the podcast. 
So first of all, why is it that so many new grads make the same assessment mistakes over and over and over again? Like you, I used to do exactly the same thing as a new grad, and particularly at the shoulder when I do just about every shoulder test that I'd been taught at university. I'd do them all pretty much for every shoulder injury that I assessed. And then what would happen is I'd get all this information. I wouldn't know what to do with it. I'd get my head in a spin about what the actual diagnosis was because I didn't actually know. I used to blame it on the fact that shoulder tests were not that accurate and this, that and the other. But when I actually look back now as to why I did that and why so many new grads like yourself are probably doing that, it's, there's no real surprise because if we think about our teaching at university, you know, my teaching, your teaching, uh, you know, will be exactly the same in many respects. So much value is put on special testing to make a diagnosis. Not just for the shoulder, but for ankles, for knees, lower backs, every other injury that we see. And this is almost okay to a certain degree for various injuries. So you think about maybe using a Lachman's test or anterior draw test for a suspected ACL or using a straight leg raise or a slump test for um, maybe a discogenic back pain patient. These tests are pretty accurate and if they're done well along with the rest of your assessment can help you identify the right problem. But relying too much on special testing with the shoulder doesn't work because the tests are pretty poor. So firstly, if you're doing this and you're relying on special testing for the shoulder, one, I suspect you're probably undervaluing the remainder and everything else you've done in your objective assessment. And because the shoulder special tests are not that great, they're not as good as those ACL or those lower back tests, they don't add as much value to the clinical picture because they are not very sensitive, they're not very specific to certain pathologies at the shoulder. This makes it difficult to differentially diagnose and, you know, as we know, there's from the evidence that the special testing is not that great at the shoulders. So if you are relying so much on the special test to make a diagnosis, it's clearly not the best way to do that. So in terms of your assessment, what, what could you do better? I think the big game changer for me and the big game changer for a lot of therapists is the realisation about how to actually structure your shoulder assessment and this goes beyond the shoulder in relation to any other injury or any other joint that you might assess because a lot of therapists when I start working with them when we talk about the shoulder what they want or what they think they want at the start is some sort of magic test or this sort of magic bullet if you like to help them to do a better shoulder assessment but there is no magic test there is no magic bullet to a better shoulder assessment you know, doing more testing or doing better tests at the shoulder, if we're talking about special testing here, is actually the complete opposite to what you actually need to be able to make a correct diagnosis so you know where to start with your patients or athletes that you work with. So the biggest, I guess, game changer for me and the biggest game changer for the therapists that I work with is the realisation and the understanding that you only actually have to test what you need to test. So what do I you know what do I actually mean by that? You know, so when you learn to only test what you need to test, it makes it much easier for you to find a diagnosis. This is going to help you obviously better manage the patients and athletes you see with shoulder pain. And by actually limiting the amount of testing, you're cutting out a lot of noise. You think if you go through every shoulder test, 
that you know, every special test that you know with, with your neck shoulder patient, you're going to be testing a whole lot of things. One of the big dangers of doing that is that shoulder testing and special testing is meant to be provocative. You're meant to you know, elicit either instability or pain, and particularly a lot of shoulder tests, the shoulder special test will elicit pain. So if you get some pain in you know, maybe one of the earlier tests in your special testing sequence, but then you've got another four or five tests to do, the likelihood is you'll probably actually get some false positives. You'll get some tests that elicit pain, not because I guess that test is positive, but more so that you've already stirred up some symptoms prior to getting to that test. So what happens then, you get to the end of your assessment, you've got all these positive tests for different things in the shoulder, and then you're like, well, what do I do next? So you just come overwhelmed, you've got too much information, but if you can actually cut out this extra noise and this useless, I guess, assessment testing results you're actually getting, these, this is what's giving the, the added feelings of feeling lost and confused about what's actually going on with your patients. Ultimately, you've got so much information, you've got too much information. Only when you learn how to cut out this noise will you be able to make sense of your patient assessment. And this is going to give you the, I guess, the confidence in your own skills, your assessment skills, uh, to make that right diagnosis, to be able to tell your patient with confidence what their problem is. And the best bit about cutting out this noise and actually testing less is you'll actually know what's going on. So then you can actually design a treatment plan to actually tackle the problems you're finding and actually know where you're starting with your you know, hands-on work, rehab, whichever you choose to use with your patients and whatever's going to help them get fixed up, out of pain and back doing what they want to do. This stops this whole kitchen sink approach where you get to the end of your assessment with your shoulder or again any other injury, you're not quite sure what's going on. So rather than maybe going back into your assessment and trying to really nail what's going on, what most new grads do, conscious of maybe the time in the session and they want to give, you want to give hands-on work or you want to give rehab to your patient, what you end up doing is, even though you don't really know what's going on, you will just sort of throw the kitchen sink of treatments or rehab at your patient and hope something works. Hope You'll hope that they'll come back in session two a little bit better. And then probably what you're doing in session two and three and four and even beyond for some therapists is still assessing, still trying to find out what's going on whilst trying to treat them at the same time. And, you know, really simply, that doesn't work. If you don't know what the problems are that you're trying to fix, it makes your treatment planning almost impossible because you don't actually know what you're trying to fix in the, the first place and that is why then patients even at session four, five, six, even beyond that point, if you're still assessing patients to try and find out problems then you've missed a trick in terms of your assessment and even better than this, if you can actually cut out unnecessary testing at the start, not only is it going to help you find, be clear on what you're trying to actually fix up, it's going to limit confusion, what it'll actually mean is actually your assessments, which in that first session will obviously take up the bulk of that, that session, are actually going to take less time. So that means that you'll actually have more time at the end of the session to actually spend on something meaningful like your hands-on treatment techniques or your rehab. Hope you are enjoying today's episode so far. Just wanted to take a break and make sure you haven't missed out on Andy's latest free resource, Five Steps to Fast Track Your New Grad Physio Career. It will show you five simple steps you need to accelerate your learning and career as a new grad physio.
It is packed full of clinical and non-clinical advice, including the missing career skill university didn't teach you that is stopping you getting better job roles, more opportunities and better pay as a new grad physio. It's Andy's most downloaded resource and you can get it completely free just by visiting newgradphysio.com. So make sure you check it out. Now, let's get back to the podcast. And it'll stop that mad dash at the end of the session, like you no doubt have at the moment, where you're trying to cram all this treatment or rehab into your session to try and talk through your patient's rehab, you know, demonstrate it, get them to go through it so they're happy, you know, maybe write a few things, jot a few things down on a piece of paper so that your patient can go away and actually has that, you know, home exercise program of a couple of exercises or whatever um, prior to coming back for their next session. All this before your next patient is, you know, ready to come in. They're probably already waiting outside, you're conscious you've got a few minutes left, you're trying to close out the session and whilst trying to rush through all this treatment and rehab. And this is not the best way. You don't want to feel rushed. You know, you're rushing through things. Your delivery is not, probably not as good as what you would like. And then is it any surprise when your patients come back the next session and they're doing the rehab all wrong? They're doing the wrong things. They're doing too many reps, too many sets. Doing the exercise in a completely different way to the way that you taught it. It's pretty tough. So you don't want to do that. And if you can cut down your assessments by making them, I guess, in a sense more simple more basic um shorter in duration it's going to give you that more time you've got that little buffer then of time to spend more time on your treatments and rehab so what i've talked about so far you might be thinking special tests particularly the shoulder are pretty poor so should we use them at all am i saying that so i'll explain a little bit more about that right now so what i want to dive into now is the shoulders i guess not so special test as I've already mentioned, and I'm sure it's nothing new to what you already know, there is actually relatively poor evidence base for many special tests, especially those at the shoulder. And this even includes when we maybe join tests together or what we call cluster tests together. So you might do maybe test one, test two, test three. And whilst that might improve the sensitivity or the specificity of a certain, I guess, test to help you differentially diagnose a certain pathology, it's pretty tough, and as a new grad, it's pretty tough to try and remember what all these clusters of tests are. And if we're being honest, when we, even when we do cluster these tests together, those values of making a test more sensitive and more specific, it will improve those values. But again, sometimes it's not going to give you that definitive diagnosis that you probably want. So, looking at the actual evidence, there's there's, um, there's a couple of papers I may want to draw your, your attention to. So there's a paper by Jane et al. That's J-A-I-N et al. in 2017. And they looked at the most commonly used tests for trying to identify rotator cuff tears. And they found a range of values. So they looked at all the data, all the evidence, and there was some sensitivity scores for some of the most commonly used tests as low as 8%. And some of the tests in relation to specificity as poor as 48%. So just those values themselves should ring alarm bells in our heads saying, you know, these tests are not as great. And to to summarise this paper in its entirety, the authors concluded that only the empty can test or the Job's test, you might know it as, and the full can test showed high enough results to be predictive of a rotator cuff tear 
to the super supernatus. So again, looking at all the tests for all the different, you know, rotator cuff tears, you've obviously got four rotator cuff muscles, there was only two tests for one specific rotator cuff tear, the supraspinatus, that were actually of any use. So, in short, what the paper said, that there was two tests for one specific rotator cuff tear, and the remainder of tests, this again, again, is specifically looking at rotator cuff tears, were not predictive of uh, an injury, and in essence are not helpful to help you to make an accurate diagnosis, which is no help to me, it's no help to you, when maybe you're trying to rule in or rule out a rotator cuff tear. And I guess to summarise shoulder testing overall and special testing, these next words I'm going to read out from McGee, who, who like came up, came up with, obviously has done a lot of research in shoulder special testing, and I think he sort of summarises it in the, the sort of best possible way. And what he said was, it is not possible to make a definitive diagnosis with the clinical tests currently in use. So I guess if there's one main thing I want you to take away from listening to this podcast is, is not to rely on your special testing to find out what's going on with your patient. Whether that relates to the shoulder, a knee, ankle, whatever injury it is, you cannot rely solely on the on special testing to diagnose your patients. And particularly so at the shoulder, because the tests are, you know, evidence that they are more poor at the shoulder than probably any other joint in the, the body. So to be clear, what I'm not saying is that you should not use special testing at the shoulder or, or any other joint for that matter. I use special testing I all the time. The, mem- the, the members of my neurophysio membership and the way that I teach within the membership is to use special testing when it is appropriate. But what I am saying, and this is what's backed up by the evidence, some of which I've just mentioned now, is that shoulder special tests are nowhere as helpful as they, we want them to be and they're nowhere near as helpful as other joint testing, maybe the joint testing you might use at the hip, knee, or the ankle. So what this does specifically at the shoulder, and again, you can relate all this to any other injury, that there's much greater value on the rest of your objective assessment. So looking a bit more generally at your objective assessment and looking at, say, how an objective assessment should be structured, this is exactly the reason why I structure my assessments in a certain way. So whether I'm treating a shoulder, low back, ankle, whether I'm working with a professional footballer or rugby player, or I'm treating Joe Bloggs, who comes to see me in my private clinic, and the way that I teach other therapists, other new grads within my membership is exactly the same. The method does not change. So the six simple assessment steps and special testing is the last step. It's the sixth and final you know, step of that objective assessment structure. The beauty of this is, is, and the reason it's at the end is one, we talked about previously about the test being quite provocative. What you wouldn't want to do with any patient's shoulder or indeed any other injury is irritate them as much as possible right at the start of the assessment. So then, again, you're just going to heighten the chances of you getting those false positive results where everything else is sore, but because you've already stirred something up or irritated a particular structure in that joint before you're going into the other test. So you want, generally, in your testing to do the 
the least provocative movements and tests first before you get to the most provocative. So that's one reason special testing should come at the end of your assessment. But also, in relation to the shoulder, and obviously this podcast is all about the shoulder, if you do a really good job at the remainder or the earlier part of your assessment, so those steps one to five, what you'll often find, and this again goes beyond the shoulder, that you might not even need to do any special testing. If you've done a great job before that in your subjective, again, what your subjective and what your objective, the early part of your objective is doing, is trying to probably start a bit more wide, a bit more broad, and then as you're getting through your assessment, you're becoming you know, closer and closer and closer and more direct towards a specific structure. You're almost ruling things out 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 as you go through so you get to the end and you've got a really clear picture about what is going on so doing your special testing at the end works particularly great for the shoulder because as we've already mentioned as you already know the special tests are not that great one thing that i'd always sort of suggest that you do and consider before any special test is if a test is not going to add anything anything useful to the clinical jigsaw the clinical picture of your patient and it's not going to change your management of your patient so whether that's what treatment techniques or rehab you might do then you need to consider and question why are you doing that test in the first place this ultimately is clinical reasoning thinking about and asking yourself the question why you're doing something if you can understand what the evidence says and then you can apply it to the real world with real patients. That is that is clinical reasoning. That is you know being able to take knowledge base, the evidence, and actually apply it to real patients in the in the real world. So in relation to special testing, applying the right tests during your assessment and not just testing everything, maybe like you were taught at university, like I was, again, it's clinical reasoning. It's being able to justify what and why you're doing what you're doing if you do too much like no doubt you're doing at the moment you just make things too complex you confuse yourself and it makes getting that definitive diagnosis and then knowing what to do next much more difficult you can get all the information you need by doing a basic shoulder assessment and if you do a basic shoulder assessment very well then again it doesn't need to be complex like i said before you don't need this magic test or this magic bullet, if you like, to to be able to get a better result with your shoulder assessments. It's all about doing basic things brilliantly. And then once you start getting those positive patient results and your patient symptoms dampen down, but actually stay away. So, you know, I've no doubt that you're maybe listening to this, you've had patients with shoulder pain or maybe another problem and you've been able to make good a good sort of impact on their symptoms, maybe take their pain away or, or greatly reduce it, but their symptoms come back. That might be a few minutes, uh, hours, maybe a couple of days after your session. So they come back in for their next session and you're basically starting from ground zero again, trying to build back, pull them back up, which is not great. It's frustrating and this is larger because you maybe you've not really nailed exactly what you need to work on during your assessment but once you start getting positive results by having a simple system what you will find is you feel more competent you feel more confident with your shoulder assessments and because you could you should be because then you're becoming more effective at assessing and treating the patients or athletes that you see 
with shoulder injuries or again any other injuries that that you might see in your clinic even the ones that maybe come through are a little less traditional or a little bit obvious so those tricky based you know cases that you that you sort of might see you will look to your patient you will feel more confident in what you are doing and again that is only going to breed confidence in your and your skills your ability to not only find out what's going on but actually you know help your patients your athletes in the way that you want to do and, and largely it's all down to do with not trying to or avoid overcomplicating your your assessments and it's clinical reasoning it's reasoning what you're going to do before you're going to do it so maybe one little task to do after you listen to this podcast is think about maybe the last patient you had that you struggled with that you got to the end of the assessment and you weren't quite sure what was going on think back if you can you know if you're in clinic tomorrow or whenever you listen you know next thing your clinic even get their notes out and have a look through and did you make that process more complicated than you needed to do did did you find at some point no doubt in that assessment you weren't quite sure what was going on so i i you know i'll put my all the money that I've got, which is not very much, but I put all the money that I've got and I will bet that your logic and your thinking at that point was to do more. So do more testing, do, um, and that might not necessarily be the best case to try and identify what's, what's sort of going on. And once you learn how to do simple things really well, you can get those quick but long-lasting patient results. It's not always about doing more, doing more testing, doing better testing. And this applies to even those tricky patients that you might see, and even patients with injuries that you might not even seen or even heard of before. It's all about doing basic things brilliantly. So, if you want to learn a bit more about the shoulder, if you really want to improve your confidence, assessing and treating shoulder injuries, or any other injuries for that matter, you need to check out my latest free resource. So this is the five breakthrough steps to confidently treat the shoulder right every time, avoid mistakes and stop you feeling less adequate than other new grads. So whilst this free resource looks specifically at the shoulder and I go into further detail about special testing at the shoulder, I'll summarise the latest evidence all about the best tests to use and which tests to avoid, and how you should use these tests in your patient assessment, there's a whole lot more. And all the information, everything that you will pick up and learn from there, can be applied to any other injury in the body. So whether that's a neck injury, low back injury, knee, ankle, all the principles, all the steps that you will learn, all the information that you read can be applied to any other injury. You will also discover in the special resource the number one reason why new grads can't seem to get the right diagnosis no matter how hard you try, why you should never trust people who tell you the shoulder is complex and what you should do instead, the honest truth about getting great results with shoulder pain patients and why it can be so much easier than you ever imagined, plus much, much more. So to get your free copy, please visit newgraphysio.com forward slash confident. Any problems or you can't find the you know, the free resource for any reason, then please reach out to me either on social media at NewGraphysio or email me directly, andy at newgraphysio.com and I'll send you a copy straight over. So just to finish off, thanks for joining me on this particular episode. Any questions, as always, don't hesitate to get in contact. I hope you enjoy my free shoulder resource. Any questions, any feedback, always much appreciated. 
Enjoy the rest of your day, whatever you have planned, and I will speak to you all again very soon. Thanks for listening to Andy Barker's new Grad Physio podcast. If you've enjoyed this content, you will love his website, newgradphysio.com, which is packed full of free content to help you, a new grad physio, sports therapist, or sports rehabilitator, overcome the specific challenges you face day to day in your clinical practice, working in the NHS, private practice, and sport. Here you can get links to all his other podcast episodes, read all his blogs, find out about his book and his upcoming courses and the new Grad Physio membership. You can also download Andy's latest free resource, Five Steps to Fast Track Your New Grad Physio Career. It is packed full of clinical and non-clinical advice, including the missing career skill university didn't teach you that is stopping you getting better job roles, more opportunities and better pay as a new Grad Physio. Get access to all this by visiting www.newgradphysio.com. The New Grad Physio was built to help as many new grads as possible. So if you have enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review and even better, tell someone else about it. Enjoy the rest of your day, whatever you have planned. And here's to the start of your own successful new grad journey.